Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. In each episode, we cut through the noise to bring practical advice and macro research on today's shifting economic and market landscape. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to today's podcast, which is on what we have learned from the third quarter earnings season. I am Cheng Hinsaw, Head of Equities Specialist Asia, and will be your host for this session. And joining me as our speaker today is Philip Kramer, Equity Specialist from our Zurich office. Hello, Philip. How are you? Hi, Cheng Hin. Pleasure to hear you. All good on my end. Thank you. Hope the same applies to you. I'm very well, thank you. As with all quarterly earnings reporting seasons, the still ongoing third quarter season has been a very interesting one. We saw a divergent performance between the various markets with the S&P 500 up less than 1%, Europe down under 1%, while Japan was up 2% and the Hang Seng Index down close to 15%. So on the surface of things, the developed markets of the US and EU seem to be calm, seeing very muted returns and Asia a lot more volatile. The truth is that there is a lot more going on beneath the surface, which is why Philip and I would like to delve into this in greater detail for today's session. So let's get right into the topic now and let me ask you, Philip, with the earnings season coming to an end, please share with us your insights and learnings from this earnings season, focusing on Europe and America. Yes, exactly. Cheng Hin, thanks for the introduction and for having me today. As you already said, the Q3 earnings season is slowly but surely coming to an end. Looking at the S&P 500, over 95% of company earnings by market cap are now in the books. We had it all, from big beats to big misses. The only thing missing were beers bringing down the market. And this is not for granted. When we were heading into earnings season in mid-October, the street's expectations were high. Analyst consensus was looking for about uh, 28% EPS year-over-year growth for the S&P 500. As we now can say, those high expectations could be met and even exceeded. The S&P 500 is on pace for about a 40% year-over-year EPS growth. Having said that, it also gets obvious that analysts have underestimated corporate America once again. Close to 82% of companies out of the S&P 500 cleared hurdles and positively surprised on the profit side. This compares to a five-year average of 72%. As a result, and contrary to expectations, net margins have increased to a new record high of around 12% for the S&P 500. If we compare corporate America with its European peers, it gets clear that American firms reported better. This is becoming almost a rule now, because history teaches us that the beat rate in America is usually higher than the one in Europe. This earnings season, about half of the companies within the Eurostock 600 index could manage to beat Street's expectations. So overall, the so-called beat rate of this earnings season is lower than the record-breaking first two quarters of the year. Q1 and Q2 results were boosted by economic reopening and flattering comparisons with early 2020. However, to put this quarter into perspective, Q3 is on track 
to be one of the top five quarters on record going back to 2008. This goes without saying that this year was outstanding and we will likely not see such high year-over-year -year earnings growth numbers in the foreseeable future. Well, that's very interesting. You have said that around 82% of the companies in the S&P 500 reported better results than analysts have expected. Now, if we look at the earnings season from a top-down perspective, which sectors reported particularly strongly? The Q3 earnings season on both continents, Europe and America, was a success story also from a top-down perspective. All 11 gig sectors of both indices, the Eurostock 600, as well as the S&P 500, posted higher earnings growth than they were patched for at the beginning of the earnings season. When it comes to the S&P 500, financials are on track to surpass pre-season forecasts by the greatest amount. But also energy companies reported very strong set of numbers, as well as companies within the healthcare sector. While energy companies managed to convince with extremely high cash flow generation, healthcare companies came in strongly due to positive pipeline news, as well as their exposure to various secular growth themes, including digital health and demographic trends. If we change the continent and cast an eye on Europe, we see that the overall picture looks the same. However, as mentioned before, the magnitude of the earnings surprise was lower and the sector composition of the earnings bid slightly different. Strongest sector within the Eurostock 600 index was by far financials, followed by IT and consumer discretionary companies. And you know, Philip, I remember when we were heading into the Q3 earnings season, one of the key concerns was the global supply chain shortage. Were companies in Europe and America able to absorb this? Definitely, Chenghin. As you said it right, supply shortages were a big question mark heading into Q3. Shortages range from labor to commodities to semiconductors, so various inputs are not as readily available right now as they used to be in the past. Investors were asking themselves to what extent this is waiting on businesses as they are unable to produce sufficient amounts of goods to meet demand. While some companies were impacted heavier from supply shortages than others, the overall message from all of them was clear. Supply chain bottlenecks will stay with us with no immediate solution. Having said that, the statement of Ford's CEO is coming to my mind. He said on the earnings call that he does see the chip issue continuing to run through 2022. Sure, I know, that is just a small excerpt on what is going on. but. The message so far from most companies has been that cost pressure will be met with price increases and they do not expect an immediate easing of the situation. I see. And what are your thoughts about inflation? Is it something that is talked about in the media so widely these days? Do you worry about inflation? Well, inflation definitely also a big and constant talking point these days. So. Whenever we have the situation where constrained supply meets strong demand, this is ultimately translating into rising prices, sparking the pickup in inflation. Investors pre-earnings were closely looking whether companies are showing pricing power or not. Therefore, one key question going into earnings season was if companies are able to rise prices enough to offset higher commodity, transport, and supply chain costs. 
What we have learned during the earnings season was that most companies were in a position where they could indeed defend their margins and consequently had sufficient pricing power. They managed to pass on higher costs such as higher wages and input prices to their consumers across the board. So overall, strong pricing power has more than offset headwinds from lingering global supply chain disruptions and elevated inflation. Looking at management commentary, the strong demand has been mainly attributed to the strength of the consumer balance sheet given the generous fiscal transfers and pickup in wage growth. And was there anything else that you observed that caught your eye this round? Yes, another interesting fact which comes to my mind is that earnings misses were punished without any mercy this earnings season. While we saw many beats across the board, falling short of expectations had swift consequences. Misses got punished dearly. According to Bloomberg data, whenever a company within the S&P 500 missed expectations on the EPS side, the respective stock was trading over 4% lower than the index itself the day after. This is by the widest margin since Bloomberg started tracking the data in 2017. Looking back, it seems that this could become a new trend as the phenomenon already could be seen in the other two quarters this year. Very interesting indeed, Philip. So this earnings season was very strong and, as you mentioned earlier, third quarter is on track to become one of the top five quarters on record going back to 2008. But let's focus on their earnings outlook. What do you expect for the remainder of the year? Good question. We see it as follows. While the actual profit numbers have been strong and the guidance coming out of the Q3 earnings season has generally been positive, it merits also some cautious. This is also mirrored in the Merrill Lynch Corporate Sentiment Index, which has fallen further to the lowest level since Q2 2020. What is interesting to observe is that among the S&P 500 companies, which have disclosed early forecasts for Q4, over 50% provided profit estimates that trailed analyst expectations according to Bloomberg data. This is the highest number since Q4 2019. Having said that, we expect earnings growth to decline amid slower growth momentum and the phasing out of favorable base effects. Also interesting is that not only from the corporate side itself the sentiment seems to be more reluctant, but also analysts have been cautious to upgrade their EPS forecasts for the next year, given the uncertain macroeconomic outlook and rather cautious guidance from the corporates. The consensus estimate for the 2022 EPS of the S&P 500 has been revised up only by 1% since the start of the Q3 earnings window. For investors, this means that the low EPS growth expectations of 7% for the S&P 500 next year leaves definitely some room for upside revisions. Thank you, Philip. This is very clear. And how does this outlook and what you have learned from this earnings season translate to your view on equity markets in Europe and America? What does it ultimately mean for investors? Overall, we remain constructive on equities and believe that we are only in the mid-cycle of an intact bull market. Supported by a favorable technical picture, we therefore recommend staying invested. That said, we think that with supply chain issues not out of the way, economic momentum decelerating and inflation being stubbornly high, 
earnings will likely not be as much of a tailwind anymore going forward. Against this background and the newly emerged uncertainties around the pandemic, we continue to recommend implementing a barbell strategy by increasing exposure to quality names, particularly within the healthcare and information technology sectors, paired with some financials and small caps, which should benefit from higher yields and the steepening of the yield curve going forward. Thank you, Philip. That was very interesting. So thank you for sharing your insights from this earnings season. Sure, with pleasure. And thanks again for having me. Before we wrap up today's session, I'd like to add some color on the takeaways from the Asian earnings season. As of 26 November, approximately 74% of MSCI Asia-Pacific ex-Japan companies have reported with 25% year-on-year net profit growth on average. 48% of the companies beat earnings estimates, similar to that in second quarter this year, with the medium earnings surprise plus 4% versus Bloomberg consensus. Where were the hits and misses? By sector, energy stands out with 70% of companies beating estimates, thanks to elevated energy prices. Financials also reported strong numbers, with 65% of companies beating estimates, thanks to benign credit quality as economies started reopening. Consumer staples, on the other hand, have been the weakest link, with only 25% of companies beating estimates, due to cost inflation and the inability to pass that on to consumers. By country, Taiwan, China, and Korea had around 50% of companies beating estimates, slightly above the regional average, while Australia and Thailand were the two underperformers, with only 20% and 36% of companies beating estimates, respectively. The resurgence of COVID in these two countries may be part of the reason for the weak earnings. And some important points in China that we think you should be aware of are, firstly, since the storm of China internet regulatory tightening in July, we have observed both near-term and medium-term impact to the earnings power of companies. This is because companies are stepping up their investments, not only in new business initiatives, but also in promoting sustainable social value, as internet giants are required to take on more social responsibilities. Secondly, we see growth normalizing both cyclical and structural in some sectors that were perceived as fast-growing, such as e-commerce and online games. Finally, Even though the China internet sector is facing headwinds from tighter regulation and slowing consumption growth, there is an apparent divergence in earnings within the China e-commerce space, where companies that beat expectations are well rewarded and losers punished accordingly. With regard to the outlook for fourth quarter and beyond, earnings momentum seems to be softening. We are seeing an overall mild tone from management on fourth quarter guidance, highlighting lingering COVID disruptions, supply chain shortage, macro slowdown and tightened regulation as the key headwinds, and so some analysts have moderately revised down their 2022 EPS forecast. China stands out in terms of downward earnings adjustments, with 2022 EPS revised down by close to 4% in the past three months. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is about all the time we have for today's podcast. We hope that you enjoyed it and found it useful. We will be back soon with an update on our takeaways from the fourth quarter earnings season early next year. Till then, be safe and bye for now. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, our latest thinking, 
visit us at www.juliusbear.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. This is a podcast disclaimer. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. The podcast content is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer, a recommendation or an invitation by or on behalf of Julius Baer to buy or sell any securities, security-based derivatives or other products or to participate in any particular trading strategy in any jurisdiction. Julius Baer does not accept liability for any loss arising from the use of the podcast content. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further important legal information.